This is the official podcast for casual anime fanatics. On today's episode, we're diving deep into Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, Episode 15, titled Fluctuations Part 2. fans and welcome to that anime podcast for casual anime fanatics where we talk all things anime in a fun and uncensored fashion for your listening pleasure i'm your host jordo and here with me as always is my co-host and kin the baby brother brennan here to talk some jujutsu kaisen what's going on today brennan not much just monday so work just busy a lot of podcasting lately (laughs) i know this is how it goes sometimes we've done this before or we've been set ourselves up in some positions where there's lots of episodes <laughs> to be recorded. Yeah, we recorded the Attack on Titan episode yesterday, so if you haven't listened to that yet, go go give it a listen. Let us know what you think. If you haven't watched and, it yet, uh, go watch it too. If yeah, you've watched Attack on Titan, work. that is. Psh, everybody watches Attack on Titan. Come on. Come on. I mean, you'd have to assume that most people that watch anime have watched or are watching Attack on Titan. Yeah, you, it's it's a pretty safe assumption. I've been seeing now that it's over, it's like the algorithm on Instagram knows that I'm I'm cool with seeing like spoiler shit. And so I'll yeah, be seeing all kinds of Attack lot, on Titan. Like the very ending and no spoilers, but just between you and me. Like the ending, like not the ending, the post credit I guess. I've been seeing yep, that me too. with like custom custom music put over it, not custom, but a different music basically. Easy money, easy money for those uh, TikTokers, just like with the dark well, Deku arc. Just some sad shots of Deku, and then some sad music over it. <laughs> Got yourself a TikTok. <laughs> yeah, there were some parallels too on the end scene that we never put together. So, if you did listen to the Attack on Titans episode that we did last night, and you're ripping your hair out because there's some stuff we missed. I already know what you're talking about, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it again, because I'm going to definitely be re-watching the series at some point. I know you said you would as well, but... Probably not anytime soon, just... just in my lifetime, I just know that I will, because I've recently re-watched it all. Like, I'd already like watched season one and two multiple times, and then when four came out, me and Darby watched it all the way through, right when season four released, and then watched that, so I'm pretty... It's too fresh for me to re-watch it again. <laughs> right now yeah in my lifetime definitely i'm gonna probably start with reading the manga just to get more detail and see the source material but i'm not gonna wait that long i'll probably start that asap but if this is your first time ever tuning in welcome to that anime podcast with jujutsu kaisen season 2 airing this is episode 15 you can count on us to continue releasing podcast episodes dedicated to each new episode So be sure to tell everyone you know that watches JJK to follow along weekly. Give us those listens. Give us those five-star reviews if you have not already. And please tell your mom, your dad, your cousins, everybody you know. Heck, if they don't even listen to podcasts or if they don't even listen to us, go ahead and tell them to give us a five-star review because it helps us reach more casual anime fanatics just like yourself. So you're you're doing yourself a favor, really, if you're giving us a five-star review. We're trying to create a whole community here, and we need your help to do so. But that's all I've got to say about that. So this, there's no anime news. Colton did the anime news on the Attack on Titan episode yesterday. So we're just going to dive right in here. Episode 15, titled Fluctuations Part 2. Brennan, what did you think? Pretty nuts. Crazy episode. Uh, But also, what I've come to expect from Jujutsu Kaisen. And that's not to downgrade the episode, that's just to say the the high bar that Jujutsu Kaisen has set for itself. You know, I uh-huh. expect these... Like, I was blown away by the episode. Like, I loved it. But it's also like, I feel like I deserve it. Or like, I feel like the show's promised us that. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's it, it set the expectations high, and it's meeting them. And that's just kind of one of the episodes where it's like really good, 
but it's also like it didn't surprise me that it was that good of an episode. I I think I understand what you're saying. You're just you're you're commenting on like the fact that you know the story is going to be great. You know the animation is going to be great. So when it is great, it's not like you're you're in shock and awe. It's just like yeah, this is expected. This is like the best show that's out right now. Yeah, it's definitely the best. It's my favorite show that I'm watching um for sure right now or in recent even over like the my heroes and the demon slayers like the current big ones that are out even attack on titan i'd say it's just up there and i have high expectations for it i expect this out of it i mean i'm glad they're delivering because just because you expect something doesn't mean (laughs) they always give it to you but yeah hell of an episode (laughs) yeah it it definitely was. So here's the synopsis. Nanami, Maki, and Nabuto are driven to the edge after the special grade cursed spirit, Dagon, activates his domain expansion, Horizon of the Captivating Skanda. Fushiguro gives them a glimpse of a way to escape death. Then Toji intrudes upon the fight. So the episode starts with Megami explaining to Nanami he's going to open a small hole for them to escape through. It's right beneath his feet. Nanami yells, Shuga! Which is freaking way better than saying, gather round. But he's like, you too, Shuga! Gather round. They don't hesitate. We get the narrator. The narrator's been hitting us hard this these past few episodes. Who like, is it? Just like some old lady? <laughs> I don't know if she's actually a voice in the, in the show other than the narrator. Yeah, I know. It's been, but they've been using her for some disposition in the last couple episodes for sure. How do you feel about like the narration instead of it just like us figuring like kind of assuming these things? Uh, like, are you? A I fan? think they gave us that chance last week a little bit, and you kind of said it too that like if it wasn't Nanami, they wouldn't have came because this is the mm-hmm. ending of last week's episode, the start of this episode. So it gave, I guess, it gave you a chance to make that connection um, yep. before she outright said, you know, the the first grades on the same wavelength basically and didn't hesitate. But as far as that goes, it was a little bit weird. Not weird, but it wasn't what I expected last week with the Itadori fight. That mm-hmm. she just kept dropping stuff. It's good information for sure. But there's there's but some so this stuff episode I feel the... like I was ready for it. Like it didn't it wasn't weird. Now they've kind of c- cemented that as something that's gonna happen. And I think the more they use it, which I'm thinking they're going to, just because how things are unfolding, I'm already like adjusted to it yeah i'm a fan of it i I like it i like any extra detail and like definition that we can view with so the narrator says they faced an enemy that understood language and with faith in their fellow grade one indirectly conveying his intentions the previously excluded possibility of escaping the domain became an option once more so right as maki and nabito which, by the way, Nabito, he's able to run on water. Like, he's so fast, he's just running across the water. Maki has to use the little frogs that Fushiguro oh, was he, put in the water Was he for doing her. those for her? Yeah, those were his, like, frogs from I was wondering like, how she was doing that, yeah, that makes sense. Now that I remember that he used, like, that, that little frog th- attack thing. But I was wondering what the fuck those were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the narrator then says... Like, literally, they get all the way over to uh, Fushiguro and Nanami, and they're jumping in the air, about to go through this hole, and Toji comes in smiling like a freak of nature, and the narrator says, one who, had been in- one who had inherited the curse of the Zenin clan from birth, and one who could not completely cast off that curse, both stood in witness to the one who cast it all off, now manifested in raw flesh and taking action. Who is, I'm assuming the one who had inherited the curse of the Zenin clan from birth is Maki, right? I thought that and was the one Nabito. who could not. Co- so Nabito is the one who inherited the curse from birth, and the one who could not completely cast off that curse would be who? I was thinking Maki because she's like, she wants to like cast off the Zenin clan, but they fucking don't let her because they like stop her promotions. Like she's still associated with them. She's just a pariah because she has no what cursed is the, energy. But what is the curse of the Zenin clan? Are they literally talking about the cursed technique? I don't know. I just took it as like they're just 
I don't know, like the freaking Uchiha. They're like a cursed clan, but they're like powerful as shit. So I'm guessing the Zenin clans more of the same. Like they're cursed. They're cursed with the gift of knowledge and power. Because Fushiguro stood is also from the Zenin clan. That's true. Maybe they. Maybe it was those two they were talking about. And Nabito was nothing. And, and Fushiguro may be the cursed one because we know That's that he's thinking. got that power that where he can like basically give up his life to be a, to fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. And that's also why Sukuna has got a heart on for him. <laughs> he's like this guy could this guy could kill me. I want to fight him. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. I didn't really factor in Fushi. Yeah, one who had inherited the curse of the Zending Clan from birth, and one who could not completely cast off that curse. Both stood in witness to the one who cast it all off, now manifested in raw flesh. It's like a cool thing that the narrator gave us, but I'm also sitting here with it like. I've been chewing on this for four days, and I still don't really know what the hell it means. Probably doesn't matter. But first thing Toji does when he gets in, he's like floating in the air at first, and then he warps down and he takes Maki's weapon. She at first is like resisting, and then he tosses her, and she can't believe that she lost a a battle of raw strength from somebody with no cursed energy. And she has no idea who this person is at, at, at first. The only person who has any idea who this is is Nabito whenever he sees the scar on Toji's lip. And he don't give a shit either. Like he's it's he didn't think that was vital information to share with anybody. I know. Like, dude, like I get you're under fight, but y'all are watching him for a while. You could have been like I don't know, I just feel like it's something you share with the team. Could help. I agree. Es- especially for freaking uh Nanami. Like he knows what this guy can do. He was alive whenever he attacked the school, so it probably put him on alert. No, I don't think Nanami knows who it is either. That's what I'm saying. That's why for someone like him, it for sure would have been good to know, because then he would yeah. be like, oh shit, this is the dude that killed Gojo. That killed Gojo. That almost killed yeah. Ghetto. That broke into the school. You know what I mean? He didn't fight him, mm-hmm. but he was a student at that time, so he would I just think it's valuable information Yeah, to just fucking hold on to. This is a bold strategy, Nabuto. We'll see how it worked out for you. Not good. <laughs> so the narrator comes in again and says, Granny Ogami's seance technique still continued after her death. Her summoning of the dead should have ceased once her grandson, the vessel, ran out of cursed energy. But there was no cursed energy in the grandson's soul that was overwritten by Toji Zenin's body. And his body never expended cursed energy either. Her technique had lost its chance to terminate. The compounding irregularities left her technique running rampant, and Toji Zenin was currently fighting as directed by his instincts until his vessel ultimately broke. He had become a murder machine. So, I'm interpreting this as their their little explanation as to Toji is, this is Toji, but he's still, you know, under technically... Lady Ogami's command, yeah, he's like but under the rules his body, his body will wear down. The compounding irregularities left her te- technique running rampant, and Toji Zenin was currently fighting as directed by his instincts until his vessel ultimately broke. So he's going to put some wear and tear on this body by, you know, doing just being being Toji. You don't think the vessel broke like the other vessel was like the grandson's vessel broke and now it's just Toji's just Toji and he's chilling? No, I think that it's, I think that the vessel is like the body and it's going to break. Uh, the grandson losing. Break. I thought the grandson, no, I don't think was, that the, it broke the grandson was the vessel, I thought. And he, he broke the shit out of that. And then now it's, it's still his body though, but Toji took it over. Yeah. And like his conscience and his, you know, I guess his physical prowess, but it's still technically that grandson's body. Hmm. But you could be right. It could be saying that. I'm just trying to put another perspective in there. Like, I'm not like dying on that hill or anything. Just in case somebody else thought that too, they could could be justified. (laughs) It's a reasonable line of thought. Mm hmm. So Dagon sends a serpent at Toji. And it's coming from his stomach. He, he tries to do this a couple times. And we get arguably one of my favorite shots from the episode. Toji, he's, he's, 
he's so dang fast with this little nunchuck thing. What do you call it? The three, the three chuck. I call it a triple staff, but it's it's kind of not because I don't think it. It's a triple snap like connects and disconnects kind of, but I that's what I called it. It's like a nunchuck with another yeah. another nunchuck on it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a triple chuck. It might be a triple yeah. staff, I don't know. But either way, this weapon's freaking legit. You know Bruce Lee would be playing ping pong with people with this thing, but he swings this weapon so hard and fast at this sea dragon, it explodes into blood all the way back to Dagon's stomach and all of the water around Toji and between him and Dagon literally parts. So now they're just standing on the ground and then Toji just rushes in and hits him in the neck. And he was beating him pretty good, but because it was just, you know, a blunt object, Dagon was just pretty much wearing all these hits. Like it was, it was doing damage, but yeah. because it wasn't cutting him or like, it's not heavy. And he's in his domain too. It's, he's strong too so he could just take some hits naturally mm-hmm. then the narrator comes in I believe for the last time of the episode and it says about Toji his fangs were constantly directed toward the strongest opening song plays now I believe they threw that in there because they wanted us to know he chose to fight Megami next, not because it's his son, but because Megami of Naobito, Nanami, and Maki to Toji appeared to be the strongest fighter. Would you agree, or do you think that that's a stretch? No, I think that's what we're supposed to take from it. I don't know, and because he said he just has fangs. So they basically dropped two things that were supposed to lead you to believe that. One... He's fucking out of control. He's killing whoever in two. Shit, what was my second point? <laughs> His fangs know. were directed toward the strongest. Yeah, towards the strongest. But there was something else that I was going to, that also kind of, I don't know what I, where I was going with that. lost that thought. But yeah, I think that's what we're supposed to think. Definitely. Okay. But it could be that the other people I are mean, kind of worn me. down from the fight. But it's also like, Bushiguro is also worn down from fucking battling with the domain. So I don't think that, but I, I think he can just kind of see potential. Yep. Either way, I bet you we don't actually get to see this fight between Toji and Bushiguro for a couple more episodes. I bet you it's going to go over to some other people first. But Sukuna fight? Oh, I bet we don't even get to see that next episode. Who else is fighting? Panda? Who the hell well, is Well, next fight? the next episode is titled Thunderclap, so you know Owie's coming <laughs> coming into the fight. <laughs> he may come in to help Fushiguro. He may be the only uh, one. Maybe. Able. You're right, they might, because they're outside now. That's a good point. That'd be freaking awesome. I can't wait till Owie joins the the fight. Just to see <clears throat> him fighting against people other than Hanami and that's really it. Freaking Itadori, yeah. We've seen him fight in the movie, but that's his one solo outing, villain-wise. Yeah. So Toji, he's running on the water because uh, he's so fast, just like Naobito. And I freaking love the animation during this whole fight. There was one part where uh, Dagon, he thinks he hits Toji with like a bunch of fish, and he like hits him in the face with one. But then it turns out Toji just caught the fish with his mouth and he's smiling and he spits it out. <laughs> Freaking balls on this guy, man. Toji's one of those characters you can't hate him. You just can't. I mean, yeah, I think he's already, he's for sure, no matter what happens, how long he's in it, I think he's like secured his spot. Probably he's, minimum <laughs> top five in the show forever. He's got, <laughs> he's got Itachi Uchiha potential. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we may learn the sure backstory of this one of guy. Those characters that people are still like, he was already oh, pretty yeah. popular just from being like ripped and like what he did in five ep. And really, I mean, I guess he was in five episodes, but like screen wise time, not much. Like, he mm-hmm. already made a big impression now that he's back. He's for sure. He's he's engraved in great in JJK greatness. Oh yeah, and you know we're gonna get his backstory at some point as to like why he swore off the Zenin clan and how his 
his wife and Fushiguro's mother died, if she died. I mean, he's he's got potential. So I don't think that this, even whenever this vessel breaks, I don't think that this will be the last we see of Toji for some reason. Um, but time will tell. Uh, Dagon gets washed up on shore at one point. Toji starts walking toward him again. Next thing he knows, he's getting the crap beat out of him because Toji, he does that thing where he walks towards you and then he just appears in front of you. He's, yeah, they call that, he's so they call that flash step. <laughs> that's, isn't that, uh, what, isn't that from Hunter Hunter, the flash step? Nah, that's from Bleach. Oh, uh, okay. They call it flash step when they just like teleport to a place basically. Maki asks Nabito, they're still over there by Fushiguro in the water watching the fight. Maki's like, Grand- Granddad, who is that man? And Nabito just smiles and says, A ghost. He could have said, Toji. <laughs> That's yeah, Toji. He could have said anything. Fushiguro. That's it. That was his chance right there. Like, well, dude, what gives? But I guess just to keep. They should have just made it to where he didn't have time to tell him or something. Just like mm-hmm. doesn't make sense because he had every opportunity to let every single person know who he is, that th- something's going on. This guy's dead, for one. Yeah. Like, one, you need to let people, like, it would help Nanami, obviously, but two, it's like you need to let people know that dead people are coming back during this fight. Like, it's, mm-hmm. this is some reanimation type shit's happening. <laughs> it, 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 precisely. So, there's one point where Toji, he wraps the weapon around the back of Dagon's head so that he can jump up and use both feet to kick his head into the back of the weapon. That part was pretty cool. Nanami turns to Fushiguro and basically tells him, can you hold out a little a little bit longer? We're going to have to place our bets on this guy, even though they don't know which side he's on, because um, he's clearly winning, and they need to get the hell out of this domain. Toji, all of a sudden, he begins sharpening Playful Cloud against itself, and the sparks like that this thing were making, it was like lighting up the whole damn island. Like the island is in the sun. And every time he freaking ran that, ran it against itself, it was just like sparking the faces of the people all the way out of the water. Like that part was cool. The whole way that they animated it with the sound and like how they showed the sparks flying and stuff. I don't know why, but that was super satisfying to watch both times that I watched it. Dagon, at this point, watching them, him sharpen the blades, he says, am I going to lose against a human with no cursed energy? No. I can feel that young boy's domain weakening. If I can regain my guaranteed hit effect, I can kill them all. I need to buy time. So he jumps in the air, thinking he's going to be able to get away. Nabito meets him up there again. He's like, did you think that you were the only one that could hover? Kicks him back down. Toji meets him halfway as he's falling, stabs him through the head. Then he rips off another piece of playful cloud, stabbed him again, and then Dagon says, it's not over yet. <laughs> and then this part was, it's basically you gotta what he love did Toji to, uh, for this. The auspicious beast guy, but <laughs> with fucking sharp objects. Exactly. The multi-strike Exactly. The multi-strike Toji special. breaks it up. He goes on a fury of stabbing Dagon in the face until... They're like showing Dagon's hand and he's just like, it's tense. And then eventually it just goes limp and the domain disappears. It was a Megami's standoff. coughing up blood. Yeah, the standoff was cool. Dagon, Dagon is exercised though. There's no question he's gone. He fades to black. Megami's hurting. Toji's walking very slowly toward just our point of view as the camera. Um, so we didn't really know who he's walking to- toward, but... Then next thing we know, Megami's flying outside the building, and he smashes through a window. I thought he was gonna go for. I thought he was gonna kill Nabito next. So did I. I was because like, I knew he was gonna start go. killing. I thought he was just gonna, just because he had one arm. I thought he was gonna be a quick kill. And then I thought he would go fight Nanami, and kind of take that order. But well, yeah, based off of the what the narrator told us, he was constantly bearing his fangs at the strongest. Yeah. That's why. You would think that was the order, yeah. But Megami says, huh? When did I get forced outside? This goes beyond just fast. He might be worse than Sukuna. What is with this guy? So he doesn't even recognize that he's his dad. 
which I guess makes sense because he was like, yeah, I mean, we knew what, he would seven. I mean, we were having to bank on him having his own like mind and recognizing Fushiguro eventually, but like there was no chance. Yeah. This whole fight might go down and they never know. And then someone just tells him later, like, hey, I wonder if, pops. do we know if Toji being seanced in was part of Ghetto's plan? Probably. I, I, like, feel, I feel like he gave him the whatever piece of whatever body part. I don't know what they needed to do the seance. Like, he got that for them to be like, hey, here, use this guy. He's pretty good. Hmm. It makes sense because it's freaking pure chaos with Toji being mixed into all this. Uh, meanwhile, Jogo just calmly walks up to Dagon as he's disappearing, picks up his hand. It fades away and he says, you've passed on, Dagon. And then Nabito in- internally says, hey, 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 you're kidding, right? Nanami says internally, this one's on another level stronger than that cursed spirit, Dagon. Jogo says, leave the rest to me. Our souls will reincarnate, even without relying on human beings. Let us meet the, again uh, in a wasteland. The spirits, Go ahead. or the curses are starting to like show some... Care like, for each com- other. Yes, yeah, so they have some camaraderie. Not patch face, but like... The octopus cared about uh, Hanami, and he obviously cares about them. I don't know if it's some sort of brotherhood or just, but yeah, they care. It ain't just like what you think where they're just like, I mean, shit, Dagon was fucking pissed. He was giving that whole speech last episode about <laughs> the curses him and uh, Nabito, so it's kind of weird to yeah. see. Yeah. Because you think they'd just be like, ah, fuck him. Yeah. What do you think that, so Jogo says, let us meet again in a wasteland a century from now. Because they basically turn he, the earth into a wasteland. And maybe he thinks, he'll, he thinks they're going to get reincarnated as a different curse. Well, he also says, our souls will reincarnate even without relying on human beings. Okay? But what we know about curses is that they're created from yeah. the human beings. So... This this means that there's somehow a different breed of cur- of curses. Yeah, I didn't get that from it, but yeah, that makes sense. Or that they're just they have some plan in place for the the era of curses. I that guess they, that they think they'll be able to keep spawning. I don't know if it's because you know if only curses exist. If you keep a couple humans like basically scared all the time, they're going to keep producing. Like you don't extinct them. You just corral them and treat them like shit, and then basically you got endless <laughs> supply of curses coming. Yeah, but he says our souls will reincarnate even without relying on human beings. Uh, so you're true. right; they've got they've got some way of of coming back without human beings needing needing to be alive or fear them. But so Jogo says, "Now then," and this was the part in the episode where it we really saw Jogo for the first time fight somebody other than Gojo. And holy cow, the dude's strong. <laughs> he goes up to Nanami first at point-blank range and full-on blasts him. Like, he doesn't just set him on fire, he incinerates him. Uh, he says, first one down. Um, before Maki can even finish screaming, before she can even finish screaming Nanami, Jogo ends up at point-blank range behind her. And instead of a full, like, incineration blast like he did on Nanami, he simply sets Maki on fire. And he says, second one down. And then he goes over... Well, you think Nabuto's gonna get away, because he's... He's moving all around, running fast as hell like he does, but somehow Jogo has, I don't know if he was moving so fast that we were seeing him stand still, but there were four other places fire was coming from, and it all burnt Nabuto to a crisp. But what did you think of that? And he says third one down. I don't know. I think he just, yeah, it was just can he can keep up with the speed basically, so he just like, 
deployed fire in all those directions to cope with the frame rate. A little yeah, technique. he had freaking he had four little Jogos there helping him somehow, blast him with fire. But the only one who seems like they could have lived from these fire blasts was Maki, because she just gets put on like set on fire. Yeah, and I just feel like she's. I don't know. I don't think that she, I feel like she's just not really a candidate to die yet. That's what would make it pretty crazy if she did. But, you know, Nabito, I don't think anybody's losing sleep over him dying. You know, we just kind of met him. And then Nanami, uh, he's pretty high candidate to die this arc, but I don't know. I just didn't. If it did happen, you think it would happen like. I like how it's just, that's how death happens, you know, like, you just die. Mm-hmm. You don't always get, like, the tragic last words, you know, famous last yeah. words, as they say. Uh, so it'd be pretty crazy. It's just, I'm not surprised that Nanami might be dead. I'm surprised at how it happened. Like, just yeah. like that. It's like the snap of a finger. But it's, it's also, it's pretty badass, too, and it's why I respect the show. Like, if they actually kill some of these people from that, just because he just, like, showed up and it just... It's good to, you need villains to be feared too. So it's good to put mm-hmm. Jogo in a spot where it's like, okay, this dude, like this fucking law, this squid was going to beat them straight up. He was going to win in his domain versus these four or these three without Fushiguro coming in. And they still needed to get out. And now mm-hmm. they show up and they, the first thing they say is this one's on another level. So they're basically fucked already. Even if yep. he didn't kill them this quick, like they weren't gonna win. They were gonna have to like run or something. That's a good point. I do respect the show for the fact that we don't know if these characters are alive or dead. It look it very much appears like they <laughs> at least Nanami is dead. Like to me, the one that's most positively dead is Nanami because he took by he was, far, he, was he the, the one most they showed? Intense. Like they showed somebody just beef jerkied out. Was it him or was it now Nabito? Na- that was Nabito. But uh, we talked about last night. Armin, you know, he came back from that shit. He, he was really did way though. worse than he that. He really didn't come back from it. Like he just fucking got a syringe of some Titan <laughs> sperm. <laughs> got that Titan juice in him. <laughs> I don't know. I I can't. I don't want Nanami to die. Like I don't know. I just said I respect it for doing it like that, but it's just like if he does die, I kind of want him to have like a you know, <laughs> a Jiraiya death, like honorable death. Yeah. Like the odds were just against him, not straight up, that he just got bested. But yeah. that's, that's the show, you know. There's no unlockable powers. Like if you're, if you're going to fuck someone up, you're going to fuck them up, mm-hmm. which is a nice change. Like it's... Itadori gets it a little bit. Not he doesn't get power ups, but he's like the character that can kind of get whooped around a little bit and then make a comeback. But most of the other All fights, right. it's like they're either even or not. Hmm. So, what is your prediction for these three? Who's dead? Who's living after Jogo hits them with with all this fire? I hate to say it, but I think they might all. I think they might all make it through. I don't think th- I'm not saying they're all making it through the arc, but I think from the initial crispify, <laughs> they might all make it through because he just he left. I think like maybe he would have if he could have stuck around just a bit longer, but because of Sukuna, I think he left just enough time for them to like have a heartbeat, reverse curse technique, give somebody time to show up. Now they may not play a role in the rest of the fight, but I think they'll make it out. That's my prediction as well. I because because he had to leave all of a sudden. I feel like they left the door open. Yeah, they left the door open. Like they're it's just there's too many people know. surviving. Like the the dude with the beanie over his head should have died. Like <laughs> you know. Yeah, they said it. <laughs> they should have get. He should be dead. The dude can take a punch. You got to give him that. Ishi Jin should also be dead. He got freaking stabbed like six times. So now oh, it's yeah, like, dude that- why would I think that these people would be dead whenever all everybody else manages to survive grueling injuries? I mean, we could be wrong, and literally all three of these people are dead next week, and then we'll be eating our <laughs> eating I mean, our words. Like, if that is the case, I'm not going to be mad at all. I'm going to just be like, holy shit, like, 
I respect They went that. there. Like in the some way, Game of Thrones the, stuff. The way they did it too, like you, <laughs> you kill yeah. off three, two main characters and one, you know, building character in the span of like twelve seconds. Permanently, that would be crazy. Yeah, for any show. So Jogo, he senses Sukuna's fingers, takes off right away, and it looked like he was gonna hit Nabuto one more time because he like put his chat his hand on his chest. And he says, third one down, like he's about to do one more blast. But then he turns and he's like, he senses something. So he immediately runs. We go over to Nanako and Mimiko. They're with Itadori. He's unconscious. They start feeding him a finger. And the funny thing about Itadori is like, even when this dude's passed out, he'll guzzle down a finger, dude. He'll freaking, he'll freaking swallow it. No choking, nothing. I don't know if that's because of Sukuna or if they're just... I don't know. I've never tried to jam a finger down an unconscious person's throat. I don't know if it's like easy as like just to shove something down someone's throat or if it's like Kasukuna is like kind of in there to be able to make him. Yeah, I don't know. But either way, these fingers, they're going, they're not having any problems going down. (laughs) They're they're going down like some freaking Thanksgiving dinner. Um, Joga, he shows up. I love this scene, how he just shows up, you know, you hear the, the pitter patter of his feet and he slides in. He's like, you too. How many fingers did you feed him? They're like, we're not telling you. And he's like, fine, die. But before he blasts him with fire, Nanako holds up her phone to take a picture. And then he blasts them because that's important later because they somehow live from her technique. I just, I don't really care what the technique is. I get that it can like... I think it just like displaces you to a different spot. Yeah, or it like takes you back to that moment before the photo happened or something. Yeah. But Jogo says, good, the markings haven't disappeared. This was an unexpected turn of events, but I'll make use of it to the greatest effect. We get a flashback to Ghetto and Jogo. He says, Ghetto says, Yuji Itadori probably wouldn't transfer control of his body to Sukuna even after taking in all 20 fingers. But that's only if he spent 20 days taking one in every day. If he took 10 at once, his body wouldn't be able to adapt quickly enough and control would transfer to Sukuna, even if only temporarily. So we go back to the present. Jogo pulls out the sleeve of 10 Sukuna fingers, all nice and tidy, buckled in with some leather straps. Starts feeding them. They're going down. And then he's holding Itadori by the neck. And he says, wake up, Sukuna. And uh, just a little bit of math here. Jogo says that there should be at least 15 fingers inside Itadori now. So there's only five left. Um, This is where Mimiko and Nanako are alive. They're steaming like some titans. Joko's like, huh, it must have been that technique she used with her phone. And then he's going to point. Sukuna's, not Sukuna. Jogo's going to point at the girls like, hey, what are you guys doing alive or whatever? And he realizes his arm is missing. It's dripping. Sukuna says, I'll give you one second move. He jumps back, goes back to where the girls are. And... Their hearts are freaking beating because I guess the the spiritual pressure coming from Sukuna is very overwhelming. Jogo says, this is Sukuna. Strength of a different kind than Satoru Gojo. Overwhelming evil. Fear that even the slightest move could lead to death. Sukuna starts walking towards them. And this part where they were showing Sukuna walk toward them, it was like the part in the ending song where Yuji's legs are just walking. At the very beginning, you know? Oh, yeah, how they showed him. Yeah, that it was just like that. But then I confirmed in the ending song, it pans all the way up, and it is Yuji, it's not Sukuna. But I was like, if they cut off before we get to the face, I'm going to have to assume that's Sukuna walking. But Sukuna says, you hold your heads quite high. The girls, they drop down all the way to the floor, put their foreheads on the ground, while Jogo simply takes a knee. And he pays for it here. He gets his volcano yeah, on he said top something of his head else. chopped he off. He said something like that, but it was pretty badass, like, about you hold your head high, or like, I don't know. Something, some, well, he says, something on the end of that. Well, he says, he says it after he chops it off. So he chops off his head, and he says, did you believe taking a knee was enough? 
the greatest men bow, bow the lowest, or so it goes. I see you value your head quite lightly. You brats, I'll start with you. You wish to speak to me, yes? I'll grant you a finger's worth of audience. Now speak. So what you're talking about is he says the greatest men bow the lowest. No, there's and something else about like you hold your head high, but I don't know what it was. I remember when he said it, I was like, that was kind of cold. <laughs> mm. I'd have to go back and watch it because I haven't watched it since it came out on Thursday. Oh, yeah. So Nanako says, below us, there's a man in a monk's robe with a suture across his forehead. Please kill him. Please for ye ghetto sama. We get the flashback of Mimiko and Nanako brushing Ghetto's hair. They ask him who Gojo is and he's and if he is super strong. Ghetto's like, well, he was my best friend, but we had a fight and haven't spoken since. And then Mimiko and Nanako just keep repeating I love you over and over until we go back to the present. Um, basically, so internally, in Mimiko and Nanako's head, they say we'll never forgive Satoru Gojo for killing Geto-sama, so long as we live. But we did feel that it was appropriate. After all, Satoru Gojo was Geto-sama's one and only best friend. But you are different, talking about the brain curse. Go to hell, we'll make you regret this. Nanako says what got her killed. Now. She says, we know the location of one other finger. If you kill that man for us, we'll tell you where it is. So please. And before she can finish, Sukuna says, raise your heads. As soon as they raise them up, he cuts off Mimiko's head. And the messed up part about this is she didn't even say anything. <laughs> That's how it goes. You always punish, you punish the one that the person talk, running their mouth cares about. Jeez, man. She's just freaking sitting there, like, sweating her ass off in nerves and <laughs> gets her head cut off or something. Nanako says. Uh, Sukuna says, Did you think a measly one or two fingers would grant you the right to order me around? How offensive. Nanako thinks she's going to kill Sukuna now. She says, Sukuna, die. She gets her, her camera out, goes to take a photo of him. But before she can finish it, she gets her head chopped off from the nose up. She gets cubed. And yeah, she splits into like thousands of little blocks. Yeah, they had him too. They, I think he would have done it if they just took a sales class or something. They don't know how to pitch the idea. Like they could have just. I know. First of all, you start with like, hey, I know where another finger is. This is where it's at. Uh, I'm requesting there's a priest downstairs that you kill him. He's embodying ghetto. He's got Gojo Sotaro trapped in a cube. That's all valuable information. Like, mm-hmm. they shouldn't have told oh, him. Yeah, basically, yeah. they could have said like, "If you would like, be so gracious." Yeah, if it, if it pleases the Lord, we have another finger. Yes, that we we'll tell you finger. about. <laughs> Don't even say we'll tell you about. It. Just tell him where it is, and uh-huh. tell him about that. And if he doesn't do it, he doesn't do it, and you get to live possibly. So, but because he may at least respect you for just telling him and. You put it out there, and he does what he wants. Because honestly, he may do it just because he might just he probably just wants to stretch his legs against some strong people. I mean, that's probably. what he's doing with Jogo. Like that's why he's got this whole little bet set up with him. He's just trying yep. to basically what Gojo did episode one, where he said, "Let me have fifteen seconds with him." Mm-hmm. So Sukuna says, "You're next, Curse Spirit. What do you want?" Jogo says. I want nothing. Sukuna's like, huh? Jogo says, our objective, Sukuna, is your complete resurrection. Currently, you have only temporary freedom while Itadori struggles to adapt. I'm sure you're the most aware of that yourself. And then internally, Jogo's thinking this. Even if Sukuna's reverse curse technique is capable of healing others as well, it can't do anything about the shape of a soul once it's changed by Mahito's idol transfiguration. It wasn't that he didn't forge a pact back then, it was that he couldn't. And then he says out loud, Forge a pact with Yuji Itadori before he returns. A pact to grant you perpetual authority over his body. Many of Itadori's allies are already here. There are plenty of ways you could do it. So he's basically telling him, 
threaten Itadori while he's unconscious inside you that, hey, I'm going to go kill everyone unless you give me perpetual control of your body, then I won't kill any of your friends for 10 years or something. Well, he could just make a pact that, like, you can't kill anybody and the other curses can't forever. And then it's just like, I guess they would just stay alive, but be a tough deal to make. When Jogo said this, like, told him to make a pact, I was like, on the edge of my seat to see what Sukuna said because I'm like, yeah, he probably is going to. And then I was thinking we were going to get to see Itadori in the the little internal space where him and Sukuna always have squabbles. But we get a long pause, like a a really long pause, actually. And Sukuna says, there's no need. I already have my own plans, but I see you all are desperate. This is my re- This is your reward for the fingers. Come at me. If you manage to land even a single blow on me, I'll work under you all. For starters, how about I slaughter every human in Shibuya, except for one? And he's probably talking about Megami in the one. Jogo stands and calmly asks, You're true to your word, yes? Man, my respect for Jogo, it went up on this part because he wasn't sweating. He was composed and he's like, you can tell he's already thinking, I'm about to fucking land a hit on you, motherfucker. <laughs> it's like one hit. You know, I, he knows, obviously, just from how he was sweating when he was there. Like, and that's just the show, Jujutsu Kaisen. Like, he knows he's mm-hmm. not stronger than him. He's not beating him. But he's right. That doesn't mean he can't land a hit on him, potentially. And I don't think yep. he's... Like, Sukuna's going to win in a fight pretty easily. But I don't think it's just like... It ain't going to be like a Toji versus Eno. Like, it ain't that level of mismatch. It'd be more so like Dagon versus uh, Nanami Solo. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously one's stronger and they're going to be doing some work, but he ain't going to just instantly die. So I think it'll be... But Sukun is also going to be trying to have fun with it. I mean, even Krillin can land a hit on Goku every now and then. You That's know? what I'm saying. Like, if you, <laughs> like, not us, but like an amateur boxer who's like, could probably land one hit on like a professional, like a good amateur. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about someone who does it for fun. I'm talking about someone who's like climbing up the ranks. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Your average Joe ain't landing a hit on yeah on some pro some pro <laughs> boxers. <laughs> Oh, man. So this episode, it sucks that it didn't end with an answer to the question of if you're true to your word, because part of me feels like him even asking that, Sukuna might be like, you don't trust me, and then just chop off his head. No, I think it's a good opportunity. I don't think it's like a fight fight, but I think it's a good opportunity to have like a little five-minute-ish fight, you know, some quick good animation with some chats in between. I don't think it'll be like anywhere near the length of the Dagon fight. Just because yeah, I don't think we have the right. investment, but I think it'll be a good chance to show off both of them. Sukuna is the strongest we've seen him, and then for Jogo, we've never really seen him fight. We see him toast three people, and then we saw him fight Gojo. And I always watch the stuff with uh, Jogo in English, which he's got like Pete's voice from like Disney, like Goofy's friend. <laughs> so oh, it's really? like I never really took him. I always thought he was a goof, but now I'm thinking like maybe you know, <laughs> maybe I just misjudged him because of his English yeah. voice actor. Not that I haven't been, I haven't watched it in Japanese too. Just like I feel like that early part because I was watching JJK in English the first time till I had to switch, and then when I went back and watched season one, I just did English for you know the ease of it. Oh yeah, the voice actor makes a difference. Yeah, I don't know if it's actually like Pete's voice actor. But he's got that type of tone, you know, like deep. Like, come on, yeah, old buddy. Exa- yeah. Go Joe Sotaro. Like Hercule kind of kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, in that realm of roughness. <laughs> I mean, I'm I think that the fight right when it starts, if if the goal for Jogo is to land a hit, you know right right out of the gates he's domain expansion. Like he's he's bringing him into the domain for that guaranteed hit effect. And then Sukuna, the only way around it is to let go of his domain. And then the fight's over because now if he hits Jogo, he's going to die. He could probably hit him, but, and not kill him maybe, but yeah, 
he could probably just overpower him with his domain. So I wonder if uh, Jogo would do that after Gojo doing the same to him. Yeah, true. He's already had that happen to him once. I don't know if his pride can take it. <laughs> I know. We've already seen his domain, so. Well, the episode ends. Ending song plays. Freaking great ending song. I always, I always like to mention the man when that freaking that bird hits the hit the hits the skies during that ending song. <laughs> you hit that high note, man. That shit just it just feels good. But it's episode sixteen next week. The episode is titled Thunderclap, and it could possibly not have to relate with Owie, but. I mean, clap, I don't know. I'm trying to think, does anybody else have, like, thunder, lightning-type powers? And I don't think that I know of anybody. So the clap, The I only other like... persons we haven't seen is Panda with the Kusakabe guy. Yeah, that that we know are there for sure, but anybody else... They're there, and they're, they're a... probably going to run into Mahito, and I'm <laughs> thinking that's going to be a good matchup because the Panda doesn't really have a soul. True. That'd piss him off. Uh-huh. But hopefully it's Owie. We've only got freaking eight episodes left, so we need need Owie to join the fight. It's a good good time to bring him in. Lots of people have already potentially died. Like we need we need to bring the big guns, and we still have a a fight on the card. Still, it's on the fight card. Is Ghetto versus uh, Max Girl? Yeah, May May and Wee Wee. (laughs) Yeah, May May and Wee Wee are still. (laughs) <laughs> they still haven't even started their fight you already know this season's going to end with well eight eight episodes we could com- we could conclude some fights but you're but i if, think ghetto's this getting is away gonna... by the end of the, uh, the season for sure like he can't it can't like end the season where he's like still in shibuya like guarding the thing <laughs> yeah we'll see eight episodes makes me nervous that's uh, but you can cover a lot of ground and they've been covering episodes. a lot like, the last two episodes, just because so much has been happening, it makes me feel like it's going to end at any moment, and they both, I feel like, exceeded the length, like, where you're like, shit, it better not end right here, and it didn't end right there. It actually kept going. I mean, it still sucks when it yeah. ends, but I don't know. Some of the other shows ended at even worse spots. I feel like they've been getting to pretty good. Because I said in the Itadori fight episode, too, like, I thought it was going to be, like, a huge mistake if they ended it there and then ended it there, but they didn't. They, it kept going, so... Mm-hmm. The episodes are feeling long. I agree. They're giving us a shit ton of information, which is, you know, why these podcast episodes are, are long. I mean, we basically got right into it, and we're at, you know, 52 minutes here. So do you have any other th- thoughts you want to add before we wrap up? No, nope, thanks for listening. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm Jordo. Brennan. We are the Evans Bros, also known as the Casual Anime Fanatics. Thank you all of you for listening. Have a great week, and as always, peace out.